0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Believe in Clemson football with LeVon Kirkland. To believe in Clemson football with LaVon Kirkland. I'm Will Vandervoort. Thanks for joining us this week as we get ready to uh, review Clemson's exciting double overtime win at Wake Forest. I know me and LaVon did not think that's the kind of game it was going to be, but it was. And as LaVon said before we wrapped up the other day, you can't predict football games. You never know what's going to happen. So with that, I bring in my trusty sidekick. We have a little technical difficulty, so we had to go alternate routes. Please bear with us this week as we try to get things fixed. But, LeVon, you there, buddy? How are you? Uh, Yeah, well, I'm here. Thank you so much for being so patient. And I am doing very well, especially after Saturday's win. That's awesome, man. So, you know, before we get too much into it, um, you know, give me your just quick thoughts of that wild and crazy game in Winston-Salem. Man, if you are
0: a defensive guy like me and you, you might not have liked it as much, but I thought it was a really good game. i tell you what, uh, DJU really came through. And the receivers, you got to give them a lot of credit. He seemed really confident in the pocket. Uh, the receivers went and made some plays, and the great thing to see was every time Wake Forest was scored, we would match that score. So uh, it was a positive, positive day for the offense. Not so much for the defense, but then you look at the young defensive backs that we had there, you can kind of understand some of it because you were going against a veteran, Wake Forest, uh, wide receiver group, and also quarterback. So it made it very difficult for the DBs, but I thought it was a great win for the Tigers.
1: Yeah, it was, and uh, it's funny you talked about me and you and and how we are with defense because when they when a buddy of mine saw me after the game, he says, "I know you're not very happy right now," <laughs> because he knows he knows I don't like defense, and you know I'm up there in the press box. I'm sitting next to Gene Sapikoff of the Charleston Post and Courier, and I'm sitting next to Anna Hickey with Two Four Seven Sports. And I probably aggravated them, and if I did, I apologize, guys, because I was so frustrated watching this game, LeVon. I kept saying, what are they doing? What in the world is going on here? It was really frustrating for me to watch because, you know, when you're watching it in person, it's not the same as when you go back and watch it later. And I'll explain that later when we get into it. Uh, But just watching it live and in person, it was very frustrating for me to watch that game in the press box. And I tried to be as quiet as I could while I'm talking and uh, not being too opinionated, but it was very hard for me <laughs> uh, because I just didn't understand some of the things. But when I went back and talked to Wes Goodwin, Clemson's defensive coordinator, in the post game, he explained some things to me, totally understood it once I did that. And then when I went and watched it, knowing what Wes told me, I could actually see some some things different. So we'll get into that here in just a little bit. But I did want to get your, your thoughts there, and I'm glad you did. Before we get too much into things, though, let's go ahead and talk about our sponsors over at BetOnline.ag. They've been with us from the beginning, and we appreciate everything they do for us each and every week. Um, and BetOnline, in case you didn't know, is the fastest and easiest way to rate, wager on all your favorite sports contests and events um, that the first – to market odds and lines so find reviews and news for every league including major league baseball which right now the pennant races are heating up the braves and mets a game and a half as me and you talk right now levon that thing is going to go down to the wire you got nfl is now uh, three weeks into the season nba is about to start here in a little bit so will the nhl um you got combat sports ea sports excuse me not ea sports i do that every week Esports and even golf BetOnline.ag continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. So head on over to BetOnline today for your, or excuse me, use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. If you do, use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V, the number 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's BetOnline.ag. Bet online where the game starts. Um, okay, Levon, just some news and notes. The first one, and and I hope it does happen this week, but I don't know if it's going to. But as of right now, as we do this podcast on a Monday afternoon, game day is coming to Clemson for this big matchup between Clemson and NC State. Um, also, it was announced that the game will be a seven thirty kickoff on ABC. It's going to be in prime time. It's going to be uh, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herb Street, Holly Rowe are going to be in town. It's supposed to be a big deal. But there's this little thing that's not so little called Hurricane Ian. And LeVon, I, it's coming straight as of right now. And I know it's only Monday. But as of right now, when it becomes a tropical storm, it's coming straight at Clemson. And they're talking about 25 to 35-mile-per-hour winds. Man, I hope they can play this game on Saturday. But right now, I'm not very optimistic.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's what we call God's will. There's not much we can really do about it. Not, we can't control it. So we just hope that it, it does. not Maybe You know, a lot of times these hurricanes, tropical storms, they may turn to right, may turn to left. So hopefully you can go in another direction. But it doesn't look good right
1: now. We just have to wait and see. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, stay tuned. Watch the weather, uh, local weather all week long. Watch, watch and listen for any information coming out of Clemson. I would think Clemson will probably make a decision. I don't know this officially because nobody's told me yet, but I've been talking to some people. I would think if they're going to make a decision, they're probably going to make it sometime around Wednesday or Thursday what they're going to do about this game um you remember the notre dame game in 2015 everybody's like oh this will be like that the only difference was the winds weren't like this for notre dame the wind the winds are what make this different because yeah that was like a monsoon that sat right on top but i remember i was there i was i was in it i was in the i was in the press box and it was an open air press box so we're filling the elements the wind wasn't as bad it you know it was windy but not like this kind of windy well, you're talking right. 35, 40 mile per hour winds that are consistent that are going to start on Friday, Levon, from what I'm hearing, and they're going to go Friday morning all the way through Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. You know what kind of damages are going to be, right? You know, are the roads going to be safe to travel? There's, a, it's not just football that everybody has to think about. They got to think about how people get in and out of the stadium too, and uh, so it's oh, not yeah. just and, and then the travel for NC State, like. You know, you got to make sure the visiting team coming in is going to be safe because they got to travel through it as well. Um, so there's a lot that goes into this before they just make a decision on whether they're going to play or not. So um, we'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll maybe, like you said, Levon, this thing will take a different turn and it'll go somewhere and not hit land or anything like that and just go back into the waters. That would be the best thing, right? Um, but, you know, we'll find out what they're going to do. And, you know, by the time, you know, we get to the end of the week. So, you know, everybody be just stay tuned to the weather and just see what's going to happen um, with that. Um, wanted to bring that to attention. Also wanted to bring to attention, Levon, some other news and notes uh, regarding the Clemson Tigers. And, um, you know, if you didn't know, uh, the Clemson Boston College game this week is going to be. Uh, excuse me, next week. So this will be October the 8th. Um, it was announced, the ACC announced earlier today, the, the game times and network. So the Clemson-Boston College game is being on a six-day hold again. Uh, it's either going to be on ABC at 7.30 or it's going to kick off at 8 p.m. on the ACC network. Um, so you're going to have to wait until the end of this week's games before they announce where – when or when the Clemson and Boston College game is going to be played, and what network it's going to be played on. But one thing we do know, it's going to be a night game. Um, and so, um, you know, just give you a heads up on that. If you're going to go to that game, you're going to have a night game in Boston, which is not a bad thing. You know, hopefully the weather's nice and it's it's cool and everything like that. Boston's a great trip this time of the year because the weather is a whole lot cooler. Um, you know, so uh, you know it'll it'll be nice. The leaves will be changing colors. It's really a nice trip, especially if you drive up, which that's a long drive if you drive up. But you should, but I always do, Levon. When I go to Boston, is I go up a, a, a day or two early. That way, I can see the sights and stuff again, and do all the different things. And uh, one of the things I like to do is uh, sometimes we drive up the drive up the road and drive toward, um, you know, toward Connecticut or whatever. And that's when you see the leaves changing colors, and it's just beautiful and. Or you can go on over to Harvard or any of those places, um, beautiful campuses that are around Boston, and you get a good picture of that too. So it's, uh, it's always fun. Um, yeah. Other news, um, in case nobody knows, Wesley McFadden. Excuse me, Wesley McFadden. <laughs> i gone back to 1987, my friend. Um, yes you are. <laughs> so um, Jordan McFadden, excuse me, and DJ Ui Ungale earn ACC weekly honors. Um, the Atlantic Coast Conference announced today that uh, McFadden is the co-offensive lineman of the week, and Ui Ungalay is the quarterback of the week. Um, the selections was Clemson's third and fourth of the season. with the additional with the addition of the duos now, Clemson has now garnered a total of five hundred and fifty seven weekly ACC honors since nineteen sixty eight. McFadden collected his third career ACC Offensive Lineman of the Week award after grading out at 91% with three knockdowns, according to Clemson's coaching staff, while playing every offensive snap. He served as a key pass protector whose performance helped Clemson convert on 16 of 23 third downs, which is a school record that surpassed the Tigers' 15 third-down conversions against Western Carolina in 1983. Ungole represents the third ACC weekly honor for his for self, joining, joining two joining ACC Rookie of the Week nod during his freshman season in 2020, um, DJ completed 26 of 41 passes for a career-high 371 yards and a career-high five passing touchdowns and also added 52 rushing yards on 14 carries. He became the first Clemson quarterback to throw five touchdown passes in a game since Trevor Lawrence at Georgia Tech in 2020, and he produced the first game by a Clemson player, with at least 370 passing yards, at least five touchdowns, and no interceptions since Deshaun Watson did the same at NC State in 2015. Uwe Ungule was also named on Monday as one of the eight Manning Award Stars of the Week. Also, place kicker B- B.T. Potter earned the Lou Groza Award Star of the Week after he after his 13-point performance that included 4-for-4 four four effort on PATs and a 3-for-3 three three mark on field goals including a game time 52-yard field goal in the fourth quarter that tied his career long. So congratulations to those three young men um, and those accomplishments they had this week. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's a, so there's some news right there. And, and Lamont, just your thoughts on those three guys and, and what they did this week. Well,
0: I, I really believe that Potter is probably one of the best kickers in the NCAA He's trustworthy. He can kick it from any anywhere on the field, and it's not. You like most kickers, your college kickers, when they get beyond, you know, when it's like fifty something yards, you always kind of question it and say, "Ooh, I don't know." Especially if it's on the left or right hash you kind of wonder if they're going to be able to make it. But it seems with Potter, man, it's just automatic. He has a great he has a great leg great control, has come a long way since his freshman year. And it's somebody, and he's a good weapon that you can always count on. You know, uh, Jordan McFadden, it's kind of hard to judge when you're watching it about an offensive line unless you really key in on him. So I'm going to really trust the coaching staff that he had a 91% and he had three knockdowns. So I'm sure they saw that a lot better than what I saw. And then DJ, man, was just really magnificent he really was the one play that he made that he was barely on I mean he is wrapped up I thought it was going to be a sack on a two point conversion he gives up standing up and being able to just throw a dart at Collins
2: Mm -hmm. for the
0: two point conversion one of the best plays I've seen in quite some time and he seemed like the guy that we saw a couple years ago versus Notre Dame where he seemed to be in complete control, uh, he threw some great balls, really did. And he threw it up there where the receivers went and really actually got it. I thought his receivers played especially well, so it was a, it was really good to see, especially after all the struggles that he had last year. DJ has actually played pretty well throughout this season. Um, I know he was some people were critical about him doing the Georgia Tech game. But then from that point on, he's been playing really solid football.
1: Yeah, he has. And he uh, he definitely, I thought, had his best game, uh, not only of the season, but I thought I thought his performance was even better at Notre Dame because of the way he ran the football in this game, which was huge. And that really kind of loosened up that Wake Forest defense early, kind of showed that uh, he was going to be a threat in the running game. And that's two weeks in a row now. He has shown that. Um, before we go much further, just kind of give you, speaking of ACC standings and Clemson and Wake Forest and what that game meant, well, this is what it meant, LeVon. Clemson right now, 4-0, in the A- 4-0 overall, 2-0 in the ACC Atlantic. Um, right now, Florida State is also 4-0 and 2-0. Syracuse is also 4-0 and 2-0. Um, <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't have thought that. Um, NC State is 4-0 as well as the 10th rank. Uh, Pack comes into Death Valley this week, but this will be their first conference game. Think about that. That's a big deal. When you look at Clemson, who's already played two conference games, you know it's a different mindset when you go into a third conference game as opposed to you're going into your first. Um, so uh, that's that's a, that's a mental thing to me um, that you got to kind of play into. This is one of those uh, things that have nothing that, that that that. What do you call that? Intangibles. That's one of those intangibles you look at when you look at this game um wake forest is three and one oh and one louisville is two and two and zero and two boston college one and three and zero and two in conference play as well over in the coastal you got virginia tech they've uh, they've they're the only ones that have a win in the conference play um they are one and zero in conference play but two and two overall duke uh they're no longer undefeated as duke lost um north carolina also lost uh pittsburgh um is three and one as well uh, they, they got a win this week to go to 3-1. and one. Miami lost their second straight. We're going to get into that in just a second. Yeah. <laughs> and then Virginia is 2-2 two and two as they, after they lost that heartbreaker on Friday night at Syracuse. And then Georgia Tech is 1-3. They lost this past week to Central Florida, had another punt blocked, fourth of the year. And then today, Georgia Tech president fires not only Jeff Collins, the head coach at Georgia Tech, but he also fires the athletic director. Um, Major movements going on at Georgia Tech. Not surprised, though, LeVon, because um, it's been pretty embarrassing what Georgia Tech has put together so far this football season.
0: Well, my thing simply is I don't really believe Georgia Tech is really invested in football. Mm -hmm. You can't have the facilities that Georgia Tech has and tell me that you're dedicated to the game. I've been to Georgia Tech and I've been in like the president's box, and I'm gonna tell you it is way, way behind the times. Yes. I mean, just being in the box, it, it was way behind the times. I'd rather have been out in the, stand, in, the in, in the stands, than to be in the in the box.
3: Now that tells you a whole lot. That tells you a bunch. They're not really. They're not invested. But they're going to fire the coach at the AD when they're not putting money in the facilities. Yeah, well, I think I, I think that's uh, I, I you know I, I, he did not
0: have a good record at all, and we kind of figured that he was going to be in some trouble. Mm-hmm. Ten and twenty eight is
2: not very good at all. No, it... you're, you're not competitive, and it's not like
0: Georgia Tech has a terrible tradition. In football.
3: They
1: got a good tradition in football.
0: They got a pretty good tradition. You know, not, to, I mean, 1990, uh, won the national championship, had some really competitive teams mm-hmm. uh, um, not too long ago when Coach Johnson was there. And, you know, it just hasn't been good the last four years. But I also say that the president maybe needs to fire himself as well because.
1: You know, they have not done a good job as far as the facilities uh, on the football park. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they attack um, the facilities. And, you know, I, the first thing is they're going to probably want to get an AD in. Before, usually, I mean, unless you do like Miami and you, I don't know, you do the football coach, then the AD, which, you know, um, doesn't, make a lot of sense. doesn't make a lot of sense a lot of times. Um, but... You know, uh, I would imagine they're going to go get the AD first, and then try to get the the head coach. It's going to be hard to bring in any head coach right now without an AD. Um, I know one guy that uh, there that's probably on the radar um, is Dion Sanders is one name we've heard um, for this job. But you know, there's also another job that's open that Dion has being um, talked about with that job, and so. You know he may he may be he may be going there, um, so we don't know. You know, but I know that's a guy they're targeting because he's a big name. He's proved he can win and recruit at a high level at a smaller school, and um, that's kind of the name Georgia Tech needs, right? And Deion's you know um, you know played for the Falcons. Uh, you know he he, he he's I, I, you know I know he uh, I, th- I believe if I'm not mistaken, didn't he like a lot of his kids? Didn't he grow? Didn't he didn't he raise them in the Atlanta area? Um, you know, um, I, I want to say that's the case. I may be wrong there, but I think, I think he's done where he did his stuff and stuff it was in Atlanta, uh, before he became a coach. So Dion makes sense. Now the question is, can they pull Dion? Because Levan, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull a big name coach to Georgia Tech right now, uh, because of the things you just mentioned. They're behind in facilities. They don't have an athletic director. It's hard for a big name coach to want to go to a place where the, that commitment's not showing
0: exactly exactly you have to bring i i feel like you have to bring an ad who does have a vision also along with the president and then also along with the board of directors you, you can have a great coach you can have a big time coach but if him and the ad and the president are not on the same page it's going to be a mess again it's going to be a power struggle
3: mm-hmm. yeah it is uh,
0: dion dion is you know D-line is going to stand his ground. Uh, I'm sure the A.D. and the President. And, and you don't want to just grab people that are not going to work together very well.
1: Exactly. The one
0: thing, I, if you look at Clemson's situation, everybody has worked pretty well and had the same vision, you know, and has really climbed the ladder, ladder as, far, as far as college football is concerned. You can bring in a big guy all you want to, but if that A.D. and that... And that big-time coach don't mix, uh, mix, and then you're talking about the president and the board of directors, if they don't see eye-to-eye, eye. it's not going to work anyway. So you have to make sure you're bringing in that everybody is seeing on the same
1: page from the top to the bottom. Exactly. And by the way, that other school that's looking at Deion Sanders is Nebraska, in case you're wondering. And I just don't – if you're Deion Sanders – you know, where are you going to go? Do you want to go to Nebraska or Georgia Tech? At least Nebraska sells out every single game. Nebraska isn't, you know, is there in the Big Ten? You know where the future of the Big Ten holds and how much money they're going to get. You know, I think Nebraska's more of a name that he would want to go to, you know, to because, you know, we know right now with the start Florida State has, it looks like Mike Norvell's okay at Florida State, at least for the time being. Um, so, that ain't happening for Dion. So, if he wants to coach at this level, you know, and a lot of people saying this could be the year that he jumps to get to the, the FBS level, Georgia Tech and Nebraska, I think, are going to be the two fighting for his services. Well, that, that's a possibility. Uh, boy, I,
2: you know, Nebraska and Dion. I'm not sure that's a really good mix. <laughs> they do make some valid points
0: as far as the Big Ten, the money situation, I, you know, I, I think the only thing is, will it be really hard to recruit in Nebraska?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Where Nebraska is really not a big, I mean, the surrounding areas getting guys in Nebraska. If anybody could do it, I think Dion could do it. Uh, his, um, how much charisma that he has, he can definitely do it. He can definitely bring some guys in there. But it's going, to be, it's going to take a little while because Nebraska has been down for quite some time. So I think it'll be interesting where he goes, if he goes there, if they want Deion Sanders at their school. But I just think that Georgia Tech has a long way to go as far as facilities and the commitment to football. And not to only say the commitment, but the academic standards that Georgia Tech has It's one of those places that makes it difficult to bring in football players. So, uh, in that way, I think Nebraska would be a better choice for Deion. But, I mean, I think he's a star in Atlanta. I mean, playing with the Falcons, playing with the Braves, he's been a star there for a long time. It would be a a welcome home thing, but Georgia Tech has to do a lot more to
3: attract a big-time coach at this point in time.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely they do. Uh, getting to this week's schedule um, uh, in the ACC, for those who may have missed it, some of the games that were announced on Saturday after all the other games finished, um, Louisville will be at Boston College. That will be a noon kickoff on the ACC network. Uh, number 22, Wake Forest, will be at number 23, Florida State, in a big ACC Atlantic Division game. That will be a three thirty kickoff. Um, that's gonna be an interesting game probably the next best game other than the one that's gonna be played here in Death Valley uh, for if they play it too because the hurricanes on track for that too that game may not be played um, right. Virginia Tech is at North Carolina that's a 330 kickoff um, on ABC excuse me on the ACC network um, again hurricane Ian he's gonna decide whether that game's played I do, I do feel like Wagner at number twenty-five, Syracuse is going to happen. <laughs> it's a, it's a five PM game um, on the ACC Network Extra. Um, as I mentioned, number ten Clemson at NC, at number five, excuse me, number ten, number five. Let me say this again. I'm messing up. Number ten yeah. NC State at number five Clemson is a seven thirty kickoff on ABC. Um, game day supposed to be there, but like I said. We'll see. We'll see if they're able to play the game. Um, Virginia is at Duke. That's a 7.30 kickoff. Again, another game. I don't know if they're going to play it um, because of the weather, so we'll see. And then Georgia Tech is at number 24, Pittsburgh. I will say that that Pittsburgh game will likely be played. um, And the only reason they may not play at LeVon is if Georgia Tech's travel to... Uh, Pittsburgh, maybe they'll, you know, because they usually go up the day before the game. Well, that's when the weather's supposed to come in. So it depends on when Georgia Tech decides to leave. Does Georgia Tech leave a little early to go practice, you know, to be already be in town? We'll see if that happens. And, you know, ironically, LeVon, the only team that's open this week that doesn't have to worry about a game is the team whose nickname is the Hurricanes. (laughs) That's that's irony. Yeah. That's well, uh, that's I irony. Think that, I think that I think Miami might they may want to take a break from football for for a while. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I saw my friend Leon Searcy, who was an office lineman at Pittsburgh when I was there. Mm-hmm. after we came in together, and he says he's just going to take a he's going to go to timeout and take about three weeks away from Miami football. He thought it was a lackluster, uh, really a lackluster performance by the Hurricanes. And that is kind of funny that, you know, they have an open day during this hurricane that's coming in. (laughs) But he told me that he's going to take a break. That he doesn't want to look at any Miami football for quite some time.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, they, it was unbelievable that they just did not show up at all. And not only lost, like, you remember Nebraska lost to Georgia Southern, but they lost, like, barely, right? I mean, it was like, you know, Georgia Southern had to hold them off at the end, you know, to win the game. Miami got blown out by Middle Tennessee State. LeVon, they had, they first of all couldn't get the ball in the end zone. They're down two scores. can't get the ball in the end zone. Go for it on fourth down and get stuffed, okay? Stuffed. Very next play, first down for Middle Tennessee. And what do they do? They throw a 99-yard touchdown pass against Miami. That is embarrassing. They got beat by 21 points to Middle Tennessee State. Nothing against the fighting Rick Stockstills. Rick Stockstill, former Clemson assistant coach. Um, but that should never happen. Miami should never be beat by a group of five school by three touchdowns that should never happen but what did we tell what what did we say last week will when we
0: talked about players that are on the field we said that as far as as far as skill positions you can't sleep on these teams because there's a lot of skill position out there trust me I go to all these camps I do the rival camps during the off season round February to june mm-hmm and you see so many skilled guys. There are plenty of quarterbacks out there, plenty of wide receivers, and plenty of running backs. There are a lot of linebackers, and there's a lot of DBs. But normally, the difference is the line of scrimmages between the Power Five and other schools.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But wide receiver-wise... That's not that much difference. In in that middle Tennessee game, I don't know who the young man was, but whoever the Miami DB was, I mean, he got blown. I mean, he blew by (laughs) him. He blew by And he started high-stepping.
3: Oh, I know.
0: Before he got to the 50-yard line, He, he had him beat by at least 10 yards on a nine route. As a DB, you can't let that happen. No, he just—it was—I don't know if he—he he threw a move on him, or if it was press, or what. You know, man, he was gone. It made it—it you would think that was a that that should have been a Miami player going against a middle Tennessee guy who gets just gets blown out the door, but no. Middle, it was middle Tennessee. They couldn't stop him.
1: It was bad, man.
0: It was. I, I'm telling you, man. It's you know. Uh, it, it, I don't. I don't want to say it's a lack of concentration or whatever like that, but I think really some of the technique and how you replay, sometimes they're just not there. They're just not there. And these these receivers will make you look bad. They would make you a little bad, yeah. And you saw a lot of the, of that this week. You saw a Georgia play when they threw just a little wide receiver screen, and the DB takes a horrible angle, and Kent State just runs in for a touchdown.
1: Yeah, that's Kent State against Georgia, who that's before Kent State
0: Georgia who's supposed to have the best defense of all time.
1: And 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 I do believe they do. <laughs> but uh, they might
0: just i mean they might have it but not on that play they did
1: no it's just like you said first of all your fundamentals aren't where you need to be and then you're underestimating your opponent and that's what happens when you do those things and so um consequently it cost Miami a game and some embarrassment for the Atlantic Coast Conference as well um but it is what it is but as embarrassing as it is for the Atlantic Coast Conference that Miami lost LeVon, Four of the nation's 21 remaining undefeated teams are from the ACC, right? And all four are from the Atlantic Division. And those four teams are all ranked, LeVon, which means the ACC Atlantic Division is tied with the SEC West as the toughest division in college football right now. Um oh, Yeah, how about that? So Clemson, of course, 4-0 for the seventh time in the last eight years. Florida State is 4-0 for the first time since 2015. NC State is 4-0 for the first time since 2018. And Syracuse is also 4-0 for the first time since 2018. Now, the Cues will be seeking its first 5-0 start when they're playing Wagner since 1987. That's right, 1987. So, Syracuse, wow. Dino Babers, man, doing a great job up there. Uh, kudos Dino to him.
3: Is, Dino Favoris is one of the best coaches, probably the NCAA, especially what
0: he's done with Syracuse. And for them to be in the situation that they are now, almost going to go five and zero, I mean, it, it shows you that maybe he not he may need be one of the coaches that you pursue. Mm-hmm. If
1: he's Georgia Tech. Maybe trying to get him away from Syracuse. No, I agree. It, it, that's, and see what he can do. That, that guy can absolutely coach his butt off. You know, that's something to think about. Um, you know, we've seen it done before. A coach jumped to another school from in the same conference. So maybe maybe he thinks about that. Maybe that's something, you know, we'll see what happens as they, as they go down the stretch here. Um, but right now, Syracuse just having a heck of a year under Dino. And he's won 10 games there before, so it's not like it's too surprising. Um, yeah, but I, I think with the Atlanta division and the ACC is – it's rolling right now, man. It, it is really good football. It is. Um, and, and we saw some of that on display on Saturday. Uh, Florida State and Syracuse are the only two teams in the country with three wins versus Power 5 opponents. The Seminoles have wins over LSU in New Orleans at Louisville and then versus Boston College. The Orange has Power 5 victories over Louisville, Purdue, and Virginia. Um Of the other five games nationally this week between ranked AP teams, the ACC is featured in two of those, number 22 Wake Forest versus number 23 Florida State and number 10 North Carolina State versus number 10 Clemson. Speaking of number 10 North Carolina State, it's ranked in the top 10 of the AP poll for the first time since 2002 when they were also ranked 10th. This week's contest between number 5 Clemson and number 10 NC State is the first of its kind for the Wolfpack, which has never previously played in a top 10 matchup. Clemson and NC State played five times previously when both teams were ranked as ACC members, but ne- none of those were as top ten opponents. Uh, 1986, number 20, NC State defeated number 16, Clemson, 27-3. to LeVon, you will remember this game. 1991, number 19, Clemson defeated number 12, NC State, 29-19. to Um 1992, number 23, NC State defeated number 18, Clemson, 20 to six. 2017, number six, Clemson defeated number 20, NC State, 38 31. And then 2018, number three, Clemson defeated number 16, NC State, 41 to seven. By the way, of the 20 matchups of AP top 10 teams, right? Um, in other words, matchups between a AP ACC team. And another ACC team that are top 10 teams. It's happened 20 times in the history of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Clemson, LeVon, has played in 11 of those 20 games, the most of any team in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Wow. Yeah. That's what that's what, that's what's the difference between Clemson and a lot of these programs. Um, the game between number 22, Wake Forest, and number 23, Florida State, is just the second meeting between the two teams when both teams are ranked. The only other occurrence – was in 2018 when Wake Forest defeated number 24 Florida State. Uh, six teams are ranked in the coaches' poll, five in the AP. Clemson leads a group of six ACC teams ranked in the AP. Excuse me, in the coaches' top 25 USA Today poll. The Tigers are joined by NC State. Uh, excuse me, yeah, NC State at number 10, Wake Forest at 21, Florida State at 22, Pittsburgh at 24, and Syracuse at 25. Uh, five ACC teams are ranked in the AP poll. The five teams are the second most of any conference behind the SEC. uh, The SEC has seven, by the way. Number five, Clemson leads the way um, and is joined by number 10, North Carolina State, number 22, Wake Forest, number 23, Florida State, and number 24, Pitt. Syracuse and North Carolina also have received votes. Um, Florida State is ranked number 23 in the poll for the first time uh, since the 2018 preseason. That's crazy, LeVon. Florida State is ranked for the first time since 2018. That just doesn't sound right.
2: It really doesn't, especially with the
0: history of Florida State, and especially those teams in the 90s, man. Those teams were outstanding. And you never imagine Florida State going through some hard times, but I guess every university does, you know. You know, there's been times when Alabama wasn't that great or Florida wasn't that great. Or any team, you know, you put on there, but it's really good to see Florida State back, man. They they have really kind of scratched and clawed themselves back to respectability, and they make that they make the division, the Atlantic Division, really really tough. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see them in Wake. I think
1: that in Wake Forest, that's going to be a great game. Yeah, I I think so too. And speaking of Wake Forest, they are ranked. For the 20, for the, excuse me, for the seventeenth straight week in the uh, Associated Press, that's a school record for Wake Forest. So, congratulations to Dave Clawson and them for doing that. NC State now has been ranked in eleven consecutive AP polls. It's the Wolfpack's longest streak since it was in twenty-two consecutive polls from nineteen ninety-two September nineteen ninety-two to September nineteen ninety-three. Uh, number twenty-four, Pittsburgh has been ranked now in eleven consecutive AP polls as well. The Panthers' longest streak since they were in 14 consecutive polls from November of 2002 to October of 2003. As I mentioned earlier, ESPN's College Game Day will broadcast live from Clemson on October 1st, uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, It'll be from 9 to noon um, in advance of the Tigers' primetime matchup with NC State. Um, This is Clemson's 30th overall appearance um, on the popular preview show, and it's the 8th home appearance for the tigers um that's including a thursday's a a couple of thursday editions as well um this will be nc state's second appearance on college game day college game day's most recent visit to clemson came in 2020 in advance of number 20 excuse me of number one clemson's 42 to 17 defeat of number seven miami um saturday's game is the second time the acc has been featured on college game day this season a special edition of the show was broadcast in advance of pittsburgh's 38-31, 38-31, Thursday night win over West Virginia on September 1st. Clemson's 10-game win streak now is the longest active streak in the country. Clemson also has the nation's longest home streak at 37 games. North Carolina State has the seventh longest active streak at 13 games. Pitt was one of seven, excuse me, Pittsburgh has now won seven consecutive road games, which is the second longest streak in the country, only behind defending national champion Georgia. So there's some... Um, a few game notes and stuff. And I mentioned College Game Day, LeVon, and don't know if you saw my tweet today or yesterday, but... Um, I
3: did see
1: it. Yeah, listen. I bring this up because several times now when Clemson has hosted College Game Day, ESPN has done a horrible job with the game day picker, which generally is supposed to be somebody who has ties to that school, right? Well, ESPN All has right. been so bad at it with Clemson's that on the last time Clemson hosted game day, which was that Miami game in 2020, they had Alex Rodriguez as the game day picker. He's from Miami. It was Clemson's game day. Clemson was hosting it, not Miami. And Alex Rodriguez was the picker, and he's a Miami guy. And I'm like sitting there like, and it's the only time in the history of college game day that I can remember where they had a game day picker that had ties to the other school that the host team was playing, and I'm I'm well, sitting, I'm sitting they, there like they
0: probably have they probably have somebody from NASCAR <laughs> that will be the guest, the celebrity picker. I, you know, I, I think there's some guys out there that would be really good. I think the Clemson fans will really get behind, and I also believe that these guys understand the fo- understand football mm-hmm. that's been really good in football. But you know, it, I think is <laughs> they have done a bad job. I. I I'm surprised. I wonder who's going to be the person this
1: year. That's what I'm wondering. I wonder
0: who's going to be the person. It, like, why can't it be like I – would, I would love to see Brian Dawkins there. I really would. Yeah, I would too. Um,
1: I mean, Newt Hopkins, I, I think he's still – is he still suspended? Newt Hopkins is a I good would, one.
2: would be a good
1: look. How about Trevor Lawrence? He plays um, – not Trevor Lawrence. Um, Is it – yeah, the Jaguars. Don't the Jaguars play Thursday night? Um but who plays Thursday night? Is it Miami? Maybe Christian Wilkins? Golly, I gotta look at the schedule. Who's playing Thursday yeah, night football? I think Trevor would be I think Trevor, will be, uh, I think
0: Trevor will be good because you know normally they're gonna go for a person who's kind of relevant as far as the nation is concerned.
3: Mm-hmm. So I I can see Trevor Lawrence doing
1: it. I mean, it's on a Saturday, so. But hey, they hey, yeah, on, I check know, this out. The hurricanes and you know hurricane and everything like that. The dolphins are the dolphins and Bengals are playing Thursday night, so how about a guy named Christian Wilkins? He'll be available because the the Dolphins are going to play on Thursday night. I mean that. Yeah, that I think it's probably going to be one of those guys. Yeah, why not? Um, but I I push for you and I push for Dawkins and oh, I push I'm for. Doesn't so mean it makes sense. You're right here. Get, get, I mean, try to find people who you know who are stars that play to Clemson. Come on, try ESPN. Nancy O'Dell. I mean, you know, she's she's a celebrity. I mean, you've never once asked her, or maybe you have, and she couldn't do it. I don't know, but try to get a Clemson person, please, ESPN. If you yeah, do it. it, it always it always seems like it has someone that kind of relates
0: to uh, to a school in some in some parts. I think ESPN is so northeast, man. So sometimes they don't understand. They just don't get it. They just, they just don't
3: get it. Well, Levo-
2: they, they, they probably try to bring Dabo
1: in before the games. <laughs> bring Dabo as the guest picker. That would be a first. <laughs> but you know, there's some there's some there's some people out there that are that are Clemson guys that have Clemson ties. Lee Bryce, country music star. He's a guy. He's a you know. He's wrote a lot of Garth Brooks songs and stuff like that. And I'm like, why not bring him on? You know, but they've never brought him on either. And um, Lee played for they, they, Clemson.
3: I'm surprised they won't get
0: um, uh,
1: what's the guy, uh, Darius Rucker? <laughs> LeVon, <laughs> what, what are you they doing? May have, they may try to get him if they yeah. get if they get Darius Rucker. I think every Clemson that, fan's gonna boo there them. There will be some. There will be some Budweiser's thrown at that stage. That, that exactly, it will be. That will be. They will be totally booed out of the building if that happens. I mean, it, they better not do that. Uh, that's that would not be a good idea for uh, for the game day. But uh, anyway, that's uh, some pretty good news and notes um, for today. Uh, we do have a, I do have one thing to uh, talk about, and that's Clemson's. Um, I don't know, LaVon, if you saw it earlier. Clemson released its depth chart for this Saturday's game. Um, I tweeted it out there just a little bit before we got going. And just so people will know some interesting things on this, um, cornerback Sheridan Jones, nickelback Malcolm Green, and safety Andrew Makuba are all listed on the depth chart for this week's game. Now, I'm not saying that guarantees they're going to be playing, but generally when they're not playing, those names are not going to be on there. And I use this next guy as an example because he hasn't been on the depth chart all year, and he hasn't played all year, and that's Xavier Thomas. And once again, He's not on the depth chart for this week's game at NC State. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to play, but, Lavon that's not a good sign. Yeah, it, it probably means he won't play is what it means to me. So, Clemson's going to get three guys back, it looks like, and all three are in the secondary, and we know what happened last week when those guys were missing. Um, so, I think that's a good sign for Clemson that those guys seem like they're going to play this week.
0: Yeah, but you know what? I think it was a great learning um, a learning experience for the young guys as well.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that, man, being under that kind of pressure, you, you
0: should only go up from here, I think, <laughs> in a lot of ways. And really, it was just some little things that they did is the reason why they got burned. But you got to get Wake Forest training. Wake Forest, if anybody's listening, Wake Forest got a receiving core That is outstanding. And they got a quarterback who can give them the ball.
1: You better, hey, whoever you are, you better hope you don't play Wake Forest. You better. I mean, I'm with you. You better hope you don't play Wake Forest because that's a team that can beat
0: anybody at any time. And all those people that used to laugh at ACC and say, well, the ACC is not good. I dare to I, I don't agree with you this year so what, I mean
1: the ACC is going to be very competitive. very competitive very competitive and I just think that you know we
0: you got young guys in there man uh, you have to be really good I mean really sound in your technique and how you focus in on the game you can't depend on your ability to just arc and run with the guy all these guys can run and I don't care who you are you can't let a guy on top of you when you're um, when you're in your backfield like that you, you just can't or he's just going to blow by you or if you're a safety uh, you can't be looking in the backfield when number one is running a, a, nine, a nine or a post on you you got to be the deepest of the deep and they just did a lot of things as a, that young players do Especially when you're talking about that cornerback position, because if you don't play that well, you can look. It can look really bad for you, even if it's not really your fault. Sometimes it still looks bad. So, I think it was a good learning. I mean, I think it was a learning experience for those young guys. Is that they take it well, and they take coaching and they understand that it doesn't matter who you are or what kind of star you have you got to always play the game. you got to be smart about playing the game as well. So, you know, it's better than having that game that you won and now you can learn a lot from than losing this game and thinking
1: that, oh, my God, it's all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, speaking of, you know, uh, and I'm trying to segue in this the best way I can because you're talking about the DBs, but – if you were at a place and you wanted to watch to see if Clemson is improving or if there, maybe it is going to rain a lot and they're going to play the game on Saturday and you're not going to be the 81,500 that are supposed to be in Death Valley, you know where you can go to watch it, LeVon? Tell me. You can go to tippetback Back Sports Grill at 215 oh, yeah. Pelham Road in Greenville, South Carolina. That's the place to be this football season. If it's college football you want, Tippet Back Sports will have all the biggest games from around the country, on including Clemson and South Carolina and all the games from the ACC and SEC. If it's the NFL you want, tippetback Back Sports Queer will have all the Sunday games as well. And they are the home of all your Pittsburgh Steelers action. Speaking of that, LeVon and myself will be on hand for a Steelers game on October the 30th. That's going to be during Clemson's Open Week. So me and LeVon are going to be there on that Sunday um, on October 30th um, to, to uh, watch the game with you guys LeVon's going to be there to talk Steelers football with you, to meet you, and all that stuff. I'm going to be there to basically just show my butt um, because the Steelers, if they're not playing well, that will probably happen. But I, but if anything, I'm going to be entertaining to all the people that are going to be there. There's no doubt about that. Um, but So anyway, we're also going to do, after the game, we're going to record our podcast from Tip It Back Sports Grill, so stay tuned um as we get closer to that date and we'll let you know when me and levon will be there um what time the game i believe the steelers game that day it's going to be a one o'clock kickoff so um we look forward to meeting all of you uh, and if you're if you even if you're not a clemson a steelers fan but you're a clemson fan come on over and say hey i'm sure levon would love to meet you and talk to you and you talk clemson football you can watch the podcast which is what we're going to be doing and talking clemson football on that so um you know come by and see us but uh, so, you know, Tippet Back Sports Grill is located at the Commons at Pelham. It's open seven days a week. On Mondays, it's tri- Twisted Trivia Night uh, with Smitty, as well as Monday Night Football will be on. Thursdays has karaoke starting at 8 p.m. while there's live music on Fridays. Every Saturday is, of course, college football all day with karaoke beginning at 8 p.m. And on Sundays... Are designated with the for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the NFL. So come see Tim Cinco and his team at Back Sports Grill, located at the Commons at Pelham. Back Sports is the place to be for all your NFL and college football action this season. Uh, I've got a few more notes, Levon, to go to, and these are some Clemson notes. And I mentioned some early, Levon. And I mentioned Clemson's going for their thirty-seventh consecutive home victory. Right. Well. If the Tigers win this week, they will tie Florida State with the longest home winning streak in ACC football history. Florida State won 37 straight games from 1992 to 2001. So Clemson's attempting to tie Florida State on that mark um, as far as home as far as winning streaks um, overall home winning streaks. Um, note the college football record is 58, um, from Miami. So this Clemson has still got a long way to go to get near that one. That was 58 straight from 1985 to 1994, um, by the Miami Hurricanes. Um, but Miami was not in the ACC at the time that they won uh, or set that record. So the record is 37 straight. Um, if Clemson is to do that, not only will they tie Florida State, but they'll tie 1904 to 1908 Yale, in 1900 to 1903, Yale for the 11th longest home winning streak in the history of college football. Um, Clemson is also attempting to add to its national best 55 and 1 record at home in the college football playoff era since 2014. So let's think about this a lot. If, if Pittsburgh would not have stunned the world in 2016 and beat Clemson, Clemson would be two games away from tying Miami's home game winning, 58 game home winning streak. Oh man, I mean that's
0: uh, that's crazy. But my question is the biggest question is what happened?
2: What happened to Yale, man? <laughs> <laughs> All that football tradition,
1: like what happened? What happened to Yale? Yeah, well, you know what happened just, to Yale? It's they just stopped caring. They stopped caring about football. I don't know if they stopped caring as much as it's just really hard to find good football players. That can make those kind of grades. <laughs> I think that's what it boils down to, right? That's what it boils down to. It's 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 just difficult to
0: find guys. It's just difficult to find football players that make those kind of grades and it
3: just kind of went downhill from
1: there. Yeah, I mean and listen, Clemson is a hard school to get into academically. Clemson's one of the hardest to get into. But it ain't as hard as not Yale. That hard. <laughs> it's not that hard. Yale's a little bit harder. Those Ivy League schools—they're a little different beast, right? Um, you know, when it comes to getting into those schools, so it's a—it's a—it's a little different uh, for that. Uh, also, some notes here: um, Dabo Sweeney, LeVon, is going for his 100. This will be his 190th game. Um, excuse me. This would be his 191st game, which would tie him with Bill Dooley for the most games in the history of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Uh, Sweeney's 190 career games as an ACC head coach already represent a school record as only 172 of Frank Howard's 295 career games at Clemson came as a member of the ACC. Um, So Coach Sweeney is going to put himself up there. I would imagine the other two are Bobby Bowden and... Uh, was it George Welsh, I guess, maybe. Would those be the other two, I think, um, that would be yeah. ahead of um, Dabo Sweeney on that on that radar? I imagine, but think about it. If Coach Bowden would
0: have started his career in the ACC, he would be untouchable as far as <laughs> anybody catching him.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, what was he there yeah, from he
2: 1976? Really I mean. He, he only started uh,
0: ACC in 1992, so you can imagine... Uh, all those years before that when they had some really good Florida State teams, the margin of him, as far as probably the winningest head coach in the ACC is concerned, he would be up there. So uh, I just always thought about that like man, he didn't even start in the ACC.
3: <laughs> no and
0: They did a bunch of winning <laughs> at one point in
1: time. Uh, Clemson is welcoming, as we mentioned earlier, is welcoming College Game Day for the eighth time in the program's history, including Thursday night games. Clemson is presently six and one at home in College Game Day when College Game Day is the featured contest. Excuse me, when they are the featured contest on College Game Day. Um, the only loss came in 2013 when Florida State and uh, Jameis Winston uh, really took it to the Tigers that night. Uh, as, <coughs> And that was the first ever top five matchup between uh, uh, ACC opponents and Florida State got the – Clemson was the high-ranked team that day, number three in the country. Florida State was number five. And um, Florida State came to play that night, man. They just – Clemson, that was a great Clemson team, but Florida State, man, they were just at a different level.
0: They really were. I mean, Jameson, man, was – I mean, he was throwing that ball all over the yard. He, we had no answers for what the Seminoles had that day. We just did, really did. not I mean, it was just one of those games that just kind of like, wow. As a, as an athlete, sometimes there's some games we just like, man, we're not gonna win this one. <laughs> 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 You know, I know it sounds very Hollywood or romantic to be like, let's go back out there and let's just give it all we got and we see what happens. We're going to win this game. Nah, Coach, I don't think we are. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're just going to, you know, hopefully we don't get more embarrassed than we are. I mean, it was just, uh, it was a ridiculously, I
1: mean, goodness. We could not stop them. No, I... Yeah, it, it it was crazy, but uh, it was their night, and they went on to win the national championship that year. And um, but Clemson has had their night, and Clemson got them back a few years later in 2018 when Clemson went to Tallahassee and handed Florida State's worst home loss in history. Um, so um, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, I think you know, all all is even in love and war, right? Um, so that that's that with that. Now we're gonna kind of we'll we'll save. NC State for later in the week um, when we do our, our second show this week. But I want to do the rest of the show, LeVon, talking about this game. Me and you both are excited to talk about it because it was an interesting game. Um, Clemson double overtime victory, 51-45 um, to 45 over Wake Forest. One of the more exciting games that I've actually seen in person. Um, and I'm putting it up there. You know, I've seen national championship games, obviously. Um, I've seen <laughs> – um, I, I, I seen the Charlie Ward game, um, in person when, um, he came to Death Valley for the first time in 92, the only time, um, when he came up here and, um, you know, obviously I saw some great games in between that, between Clemson and South Carolina, Clemson and Georgia Tech, uh, you know, Clemson and Miami. I've just seen a lot of really, really good games to great games. And that was one of them the other day. Um, it was amazing, but I'm going to be honest. The part that was, if you would have told me last week Clemson was going to have to score 51 points to win, I would tell you that means Clemson's not going to win, because
3: Absolutely.
1: as improved as Clemson's offense has been, I didn't think they would have to be that perfect, and I'm going to be honest with you, they nearly played perfect in this game. Not, They didn't play totally perfect. They had some mistakes, and they had a couple punts, but... When Clemson had to score every time to stay with Wake Forest, DJ Uyungle and that offense came through, and they made play after play and matched Sam Hartman and Wake Forest. Um, When It it, it really just seemed like, I mean, when the game was over, LeVon, I'm like sitting there and and Gene Sapikoff with me in the press box, we both kind of like said to each other, I can't believe Clemson won that game. And I really couldn't. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, is that how you felt? I, it, I really did. I mean, Clemson couldn't start any
0: better than they did. I mean, it was like 14 to nothing before you turned your head. And you're thinking like, wow, you know, this was impressive, you know, what the Clemson offense is doing. The defense was holding down. And then it seemed like, ooh, Wade Forest kind of got set, especially in that third quarter when they saw 21 points. It was like, oh, man. Like, it was like watching Golden State play
1: basketball. <laughs> it was. It, it was like how are we, you know, you're asking yourself,
0: how are we going to keep up? But to Clemson's credit, any time that Wake Forest scored, they came and they scored as well, and that was major because the Clemson defense, unlike last year, just really had a, uh, a just really couldn't defend. The slow mesh play. They just, I mean, they seem like they could run that play anytime. They can go up top anytime. And for Clemson to stay score for score for them was just really good to see. And it was really good to see guys like Nagata, Collins making big time chances in the wire and the tight ends, which we have been seeing. All along, Will, that these guys are weapons. That if you use these guys down the scene, they can be weapons. And, I mean, they came through. They absolutely came through, man. And I met the tight ends last Thursday, uh, which was kind of funny because the tight end coach, me and him are pretty good friends. Uh, He's a big fan of mine. And, (laughs) and man, those guys – came through. So, this one, I'm telling you, it's probably one of my favorite games. I may go back tonight and watch it again. I
3: might
0: just watch it again. Yeah, That's what kind of of maniac I am sometimes when it comes to football. So, yeah, I mean, uh,
3: it was a great game to watch. It really
1: was. It was. I watched the game last night, um, and it was was fun to watch. Uh, Just, you know, I was watching it. From an analytical standpoint, I wanted to see, you know, talking with the coaches and, and the players to see kind of the game through their eyes and what they were seeing, and I totally understand it. And here's one thing I want to do. First of all, I want to apologize to Wes Goodwin because I was doubting him in the play in the, in the press box and how he was calling the game. But when I went back and watched the game,
3: it wasn't,
1: him. It wasn't really anything. I mean, he was calling the game the right way. Now – did he take a long time to go ahead and just finally make the decision? Hey, look, we're just going to play Tampa two, and we're just going to you know cover up that. <laughs> you know, yes, but at the same time, when you look at the calls he was making, he was making the right calls. A couple things were happening that I'm sure he didn't expect. Now, first of all, we talked earlier about they had the young players in there, um, and that was causing some of the issues, but also the safeties. For some reason, LeVon, the safeties kept biting every time on the play action. And they would just freeze. And they – I mean, it was like constantly they would do it. You know, you would see both Mickens and Phillips freezing. And I'm not saying they did it every time or it's totally their fault or not, but it left the corners out on the island every time they did it. I mean, And this is is what a lot of people don't understand
0: a lot of times. In cover two – the corner is go- is supposed to make that wide receiver go inside because he's suspecting safety help. Yep. So a lot of times the wide receiver is going to have a little bit of leverage, but it's okay because you're thinking, I got safety help. The very first touchdown, you see the safety is just locked in in the backfield. And when you're playing someone – like Wake Forest, that has that slow read. There is no reason in the world that you're still if your eyes are still in the backfield. You're you're supposed to be the deepest of the deep. There are other people that are going to handle that run. Mm-hmm. Your real support is not. That's that's when you're not doing what you're supposed to do.
1: Exactly, and the safety... Why is that safety biting
0: on the put that, that's especially that slow read? Hey, man, you got linebackers to everybody else. They're going to make the tackle on the run. Get back there and help your cornerback. Help your cornerback. Exactly. So, a lot of times, you know, it was just technique to what I saw, technique
1: issues. Yep, same here. And- that's what it was.
0: Issues where guys were letting they were letting wide receivers get on them before they would flip their hips. They if they were up there if they were up there pressing, they wouldn't even press the guy. They would just open up the window and say, "Hey, fast guy, run as fast as you can, and <laughs> I'll try to catch up. <laughs> That's what they were doing. It was different. Instead of making those guys go through them and, and beating those guys up on the line of scrimmage. We just let
1: them just go. It, it was and made. I
0: know that's probably inexperienced. Yeah, but man, I'm like, I got this guy one on one. You talking about Perry and all those guys they had. I, I'm turning my hips and I'm getting deep. You're not gonna beat me deep. You can you can You can do the comeback all you want to. Mm-hmm. Because come... I got you deep and I got you man to man. Hey man, if you want to if you want to do a curl route or a comeback, awesome. But you're not gonna beat me for a bomb, like what happened? What happened to them? So it's just technique stuff, and if people are like losing their minds. I actually think the young core of defensive backs are pretty good. They're athletic, they're long, they're fine. But they just went against a
2: juggernaut.
1: They went against a group of receivers that are outstanding, and a quarterback who's outstanding. And the fact that you didn't have your best defensive back player in Andrew Makuba, who's also your quarterback of that secondary, back there, I think the communication was off. Um, As you mentioned, the technique was off. And, you know, so when I went back and watched it, I'm like, it really was, as I hate to say it, it was execution more than it actually was play calling. And then. you. I have coached, they,
0: they told those guys a thousand times. Do not get, a. Hey, make sure when we're in this coverage, you got this and you got that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, they told those guys. But for some reason, it just didn't flow.
1: And it was really yeah. that third quarter because... man, he was losing his mind out there. He was it, it. was bad, but the first two quarters, I thought Clemson played them pretty good. When you went back and watched it, you, they, they were getting pressure. They were they weren't blowing up the mesh, but they were getting enough pressure that they were causing them to. You know, they had a they had like I think four three and outs in the first half. You know, so they were getting off the field. They were getting quickly off the field and getting their offense back on. You know, I thought first first half. Was other than the four penalties, which allowed the two touchdowns, were pretty good, Um and so you weren't you weren't too bad, you know. And then the third quarter just it just went to hell in a handbasket, just like that. I mean, it really did. It just just 21 yeah, twenty one points. It just they looked points. bad. That's finally, you
3: never want to give out points.
1: No. yeah, finally they went in the fourth quarter. They went to that Tampa two and. They said – I talked to Wes at the end of the game, and Wes is like, yep, we decided we're going to give up the run, and we, we know we're going to lose one gap responsibility because you got no choice but to lose it. But we're willing to give that up because we Wake Forest – and a lot of people I've heard, LaVon, nationally talking about, I don't understand why Wake Forest just ran the ball and didn't keep throwing it the way they were doing on Clemson. Well, cause throw the ball. They couldn't They couldn't do what they were doing in that third quarter. Because the look changed. and It was, it was a good adjustment. By, I
2: mean, probably should have done it a lot earlier. Mm-hmm.
1: But it
0: was it, it,
2: the reason why
0: you run the ball. I mean, the reason why that's all
3: they could do. Exactly. not do what they did before because they had somebody
0: over top. Yep. So they couldn't get it done. So, I mean, yeah. And, and I wondered that too. i like, boy, kind of went to service them. I thought he went a little too conservative. I mean, I know he had to run the ball, but those guys do a really good job of comeback routes, you know, things underneath. I was thinking they would do
1: that if they couldn't just go deep on him. Right. I think so, one of those plays they were going to do that, I think Tyler Davis, though, kudos to Tyler Davis. He had a hell of a game. Tyler Davis blew game, it up. Game. Tyler Davis blew that play up. sack. About all the time, Will. Who do we talk about? All the time? <laughs> we talk about Tyler Davis. <laughs>
0: I just wish sometimes people would listen to us because we we don't know everything, but we do have a good feel for this Clemson team. We do. And we will point out the guys that we think, man, this guy is fantastic. And Tyler Davis is one of those. I mean, he has some big, he has some big time sacks. And in that overtime, man, he, you see why they're
1: so much better when Tyler Davis is in the game. He made some huge plays. End of regulation, he uh, makes a tackle for a loss that puts them behind the sticks, second and thirteen. The next yeah. play, the next play, he gets <laughs> penetration and allows Miles Murphy to come in and get the sack, half sack with them. That was a four yard loss. Now they're third and seventeen, and then. Um, and then in overtime, you know, he, he makes another tackle for a loss or at least a, a no gain on a play um, and the double overtime part. That was huge. Brian Brazee then gets the tip pass on third down. I mean, on second down. On third down, they run for six yards because of pressure. And then you saw what – you remember what happened at the end with, um, you know, with a little bit of redemption there for Nate Wiggins to knock down I the wish pass. He would have called that
3: ball, man. I just wish he would have.
1: Yeah, well, he thought about catching it. He said, but then he's like, "I better just knock this down because I don't want." It. He didn't want to take a chance <laughs> that something. Oh, it cr- <laughs> I get it. Yeah, um, so he, he. I think he made the right choice at the end, just knock it down. But you could tell he wanted to catch it. But then he's like, "I probably need to just do what I'm coached to do here and knock this thing down, and the game's over." And um, but I thought Wes, though, when I went back and watched it, I really thought it was a better call game than what I initially thought, and I'm sure what fans thought. Um, Because right when I watched it, knowing what Wes had told me, and and I was like, okay, I see it now. I see this really wasn't a badly called game. It was a really good call game. The game plan, he used pretty much the same game. He did bring more pressure up the middle than I thought. But I'm going to tell you what Wake Forest did, Lebron. They did a
3: good job of blocking up
1: some of those blitzes, man. Boy, Boy, they they did. did. Those running backs blew those blitzes up. And not only that, I see it, I saw at least three times where they blew Brian Brazee up it knocked oh, him yeah. off. That, that, that little guy got, got under. And, and, then let me tell you something. That's usually
0: – it wasn't like that middle of the field just really – I mean, the middle of the line of scrimmage just opened up like a red sea. I mean, that was – Blitz, when it's really tight like that, is really, really tough. Mm-hmm. You know, but those those guys really, – I thought the running backs did a good job of picking up the blitz. Uh and it allowed them just a little bit of time. I mean, there were some times that Clemson was really close to getting to him, but, you know, he had such good protection sometimes, he was able to get the ball off. This game has so many elements, so many good storylines that it it had to be, I I would say, dare say, that this was probably the best game in the four weeks of college
1: football. Oh, I easy because it was a very well played game from the offensive side. Now, obviously Clemson with all the penalties wasn't very good, but the the Clemson offense was what everything Wake Forest did, DJ DJ and Clemson's offense said we can do better, and they did. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, they they did a great job 509 totally 559 total yards, I believe that's correct. Uh, let me zoom in. Make sure I'm right. Yeah, 559 total yards, average 6.5 yards per play. You know they had a hundred yard rusher in Will Shipley. Um, his touchdown was amazing, by the way. Second effort. That
3: was a great
1: test. That 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 right there, young people listening, that's the effort you should play with on every play. That Will Shipley played with on that play, and he does play like that on every play because if he doesn't make that effort. Clemson probably doesn't go in overtime. They probably don't win that game. So well, that was a tremendous effort play. If you saw him, you know, they, they do that little
2: drill where the running backs put their hands on the ground. You see that all the time. Mm-hmm. And
0: that's when a drill really took into play. <laughs> and that's why you try to tell your young guys about the importance of doing those drills and doing it right because they will come to play in a game at some point in time. You're not just doing drills just to do it drills, but these are kind of technique things and fundamentals that will allow you to make a big touchdown like that. Because I thought, I thought they had him. I was like, oh, man, he didn't get in. He just kept twisting and turning, which most running backs are told. You know, hey, keep move, keep your body going, keep turning, keep twisting. He protected the ball well. He put his hand down that there, and he
2: stretched for that touchdown. That was a heck of a play.
1: Yes, it, it was. It really
0: was a heck of a play. And people who were talking about Will Shipley, oh, I don't really know. I'm telling you, man, that's good. maybe he's not an ETN as far as breakaway speed is concerned, but the dude was tough. He had really good vision. And I'm telling you, the only thing that I didn't think DJ did a good job was when they did motion out there, and that, it was one play where if he throws that ball
2: right away to Shipley, he's going oh, yeah. to
1: score a
0: touchdown or he's going to get close to scoring a touchdown.
1: Yeah, I know what play you're talking about. There was They, they ran like a wheel route, sort of. It's a wheel route, but if he hits him like right when he turns up, there was nobody
3: around. He was going to catch that. And really put the tigers in great position. Yeah, that although DJ played well. There were some there were some out
0: there were some plays out there that he still probably can get.
1: Oh, absolutely. And DJ will tell you that DJ 26 of 41, 371 yards, five touchdowns, most importantly, no interceptions. Also ran for 52 yards, Levon um Big deal, big part of the rushing offense and the and the plays he made. I'm with you. He didn't play perfect. He he had some throws that he got lucky on. A couple. Of, he threw one pass across the middle going to Antonio Williams um, that he was very fortunate that didn't get intercepted. Uh, uh, if he throws that ball a little bit lower, and a little bit more to
0: his left,
3: that'll be a nice reception.
1: Oh, absolutely. It would have been a big gain, and uh, that would have been, you wonder, because Clemson, that was the first drive of the second half. Clemson scores. That's a big play, and Clemson probably goes on and scores on that. Now Wake Forest is in a different situation because now they're down 27-14 to 14 again, and now what does that do with Wake Forest's defense? I mean, offense again. You know, that may put a little more pressure. That was a huge play in the game, and one he missed that it could have – opened things up and gave Clemson a little more breathing room because then Wake Forest gets the ball in the next possession and they score the touchdown and take the lead and all the momentum's on their side. But, LeVon, Clemson averaged nine yards per attempt, 14.3 yards per completion, and the best thing about all of it was they were 16 of 23 on third-down conversions. And that's something that they really struggled with, you know, especially last year. Exactly. They not convert third-downs. And, but this time, you saw him
0: do it. And really, they didn't run the ball for a whole lot of yards. It was basically DJ in his arm that got him there. But I thought there were some plays where DJ could have kept it and probably got a lot more yards. So it was, you know, other than that, man, it was a great game, man. It really was. It was
1: entertaining as I don't know what. And it's even better that the Tigers won. Yeah, and and, and listen... We've been talking about it the last uh, several weeks that if Clemson could just grow up at wide receiver, what this offense can be. And I'm telling you, we saw that the other day. Joseph Nangata went up and got a ball and made a great catch. Bo Collins went up and got a couple balls and made catches. And, you know, those 50-50 balls, he made them. Davis Allen, both his touchdowns were 50-50 balls that he just went up and was the, you know, won that one-on-one matchup. Um, Antonio Williams, another great catch this week um, that set up a score. Um, you know, uh, Brandon Spector, he he made a great score where it looked like it was going to be an interception and he steals that ball away from the Wake Forest player and goes in for the touchdown. EJ Williams even on his twelve-yard completion. He stole that kind of stole that ball away, and it was a big first down at the time. but kept a scoring drive alive. You saw wide receivers making plays and helping their quarterback out. DJ played well, yes, he did, no doubt about it. But those wide receivers, without a doubt, had their best game of their young careers, and I think you know it's gonna. Uh, I think that's gonna help their confidence so much more now going down the stretch. Because if these wide receivers keep producing like this. This Clemson offense goes to another level. There is no doubt about it
0: because they have a running game. I, I think they're I think the offensive line is getting better. Mm-hmm. They they gave they gave DJ some time. They really did, and DJ did a great job standing in the pocket, being poised, and just and just seeing, taking all all the time or anything like that. He stayed in the pocket. He stayed strong. And he made some really nice... Looking at it, the only thing now you're saying, if I, you know, if I defense, and I think the defense is going to come back, they're going to do well. I, 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 I know people are looking at me like I'm crazy. All the DBs, oh my God. I'm telling you, it's just, they just need to make
1: sure they're on the same page. I agree. And
2: understand why... You know why you make a
0: guy go inside safety? Understanding that, hey, I got the deepest. You know I can't be peeking in the backfield in the cover two. I I can't because we're thinking they're gonna pass the ball deep. That's the reason why we are in cover two. Or if I'm a DB, I'm not just gonna just let that guy get on top of me, then flip my hips and start running. Mm-hmm. So it's just technical things. As a young player, sometimes you man, that game is going so fast when you're a freshman and it's your first time playing, trust me. But I guarantee you, these guys keep getting playing time. They're athletic enough to get they're gonna get better. It was the
1: difference in the next few games from what they showed you at Wake Forest. Yeah, I mean it was just a bunch
0: of mistakes. That's what it was. Just a
1: bunch of mistakes. Well, like they played. Just a bunch of mistakes. And listen, no disrespect to NC State, but NC State doesn't have the group of receivers that Wake Forest has. I mean, they don't. And that well, NC State probably get a couple plays. Probably, I'm not saying they're not going to. But the there's there's not going to be as much pressure on these DBs as there was in that Wake Forest game because it's just not the same. You know explosive playmakers that Wake Forest has. Wake Forest is going to do this to everybody that play this year. Clemson's just – it's the first time we see him do it to Clemson. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because that slow – Clemson was really – Clemson's normally better against a slow miss, and I think Benables puts a lot more – he would put a lot more pressure. Mm
2: -hmm. He
0: would come after them no matter what. So we didn't do that as much. But we, but I guarantee, you, there's nobody in the ACC
1: who has a better defensive line than us. Exactly, and, and it, that slow
0: mess is going to get with some people. I'm telling you, it is a so you got to tell your D's. Clemson got beat. We're just not going to do that.
1: Exactly. Now, earlier you said something that I want to bring up two things. You talked about the offensive line play. Um, You know, I thought the offensive line were the unsung heroes in this game because DJ said it best at the end of the game when we were talking to him. He said on that touchdown pass to Jake Brinningstall that he could make a sandwich back there and eat the sandwich. And he still had time. He had so much time to look over the defense and to find that touchdown. I mean – And then he threw the pass, uh, the long pass to Brenningstool. Again, another play where he had all day to figure out where the open receiver was. Um, And that was a 30-yard gain on third and 21, keep in mind. There's several other plays like that. And I thought, you know, it wasn't their best game from a run defensive standpoint. I mean, a running game standpoint. But they still averaged over 4.3 yards per carry. They did bust one big play that set the tone for the game as an offense. Um, I thought the offensive line continues to show, yes, did they have a couple mistakes? Absolutely they did. But they continue to show now through four weeks that they're getting better and better each week, LeVon. And again, this group, if this group, is they solidify themselves by midseason like I think they're going to do, this might be potentially one of the best offensive lines Clemson's had in a very, very, very long time.
0: Well yeah, and I know people are surprised by that statement, but I totally agree. This offensive line is meshing together. And a lot of times it takes a little while for that to happen. But honestly, they've been playing pretty good. I know they have a new guy on the right tackle side and sometimes, you know, you're going against a man that's been experienced, they do some they do some stunts on you, and you're quite you're not quite there, but they're gonna get better. I know they're going to get better. And I really feel like things are going to come together for this team. Now, will they win every game, you just don't never know. But if they play offensively, if they play like that, they're going to win most. They're going to win probably the rest of their games. And then defensively, you just got to clean up. Yep. You got to clean up. And if you can do that, I think you got a possibility of going to the ACC championship this year and then maybe a berth at the playoffs. But you know it's still a, it's still a long season. You still got to take them one game at a time. You can't get too high on this one and, and don't come back and be ready for the next game, which is NC State. So you got to continue to get better as the season come along. You got to be focused on what you're doing, understand
3: what you're doing, and then by November you got a shot, you got an opportunity. Yeah,
1: and then another shout out I want to give is the tight ends. You mentioned them earlier. Um, and you talked about Coach Richardson, uh, you know, Kyle Richardson doing a great job, I think, with these tight ends in his first year as the tight ends coach. 12 catches, Jake Brenningstool and Dwayne Allen, excuse me, Dwayne Allen, Davis Allen, uh, combined for 12 catches for 108 yards and three touchdowns. The two touchdowns Davis Allen made were just, he looked at. Outstanding. <laughs> he looked over at uh, DJ both times and put his hands up. Cause he saw that he's six foot six, and the guy trying to guard him is five ten. He's like, just throw it up, throw it up. I'm gonna go get it for you. And both times, DJ did great throws. By the way, back shoulder throws um, to him down the middle of the field. Um, but it was more, it was more Davis Allen just blocking the guy out and making a play on the football. Hey man, that's that's like you know what that's
0: like. <laughs> that's like going against a power forward, and. <laughs> the power forward is like six, seven, six, eight, and you're six foot, and
1: you're trying to get, prevent that guy from getting the ball. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly what it was like. And yeah, I even, yeah. I even put a picture on Instagram. that Dawson Powers, the photographer for Clemson University Athletics, he uh, he took a picture from the end zone, and it shows Davis Allen going up, and it looks like the the Wake Forest linebacker is flopping. And I said, I said something. I you know, I just did a little, you know how you'd be a smart, smart butt in those things. And I said like, you know, um, yo, dude, this isn't basketball. No flopping's allowed. You know, you you don't you, flopping doesn't work in football. You know, it never works in football. <laughs> so it is a, you know, it was just a, it was a great picture and uh, funny to show. It just shows how Davis Allen really did block him out, and that guy had no chance of getting that football yeah. from Davis yeah. Allen. Yeah, I mean it was. Uh... And
0: that's going to be a weapon for them, you know. It is no, it's it's hard to do that. I mean, I've gone against guys like Ben Coates, and man, it, when they are when they put themselves in a position, it's just hard for you to uh, get the ball. It's just it's just difficult,
2: mm-hmm. you know.
0: You almost have to beat them at the point, point. and most guys, especially in college, they probably don't know how to do that just yet to be the guy to the point. Where you like? Oh no, you're not getting this ball. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. But they're in position. Those guys put them in position where the where the defensive player
1: had absolutely no shot. And tell you, so here's you know here's the here's the nerd alert. So the reason having these tight ends and what they do for this offense, Levon. It, it, it's amazing how much it fixes things. Last year, Clemson was awful in the red zone. I mean, dreadful, right? Dreadful. Right now, the other day, they were six for six in the red zone. Um, four of those six times were turned into touchdowns. Clemson right now is number one in the country in red zone opportunities. Um, you know, uh, they're twenty four for twenty four, a hundred um, percent right now. Uh, they've got they're converting 75 of those percent of those into touchdowns. They are second in the country in red zone touchdowns with 18 only behind Tennessee who's number one. you know they're doing everything right and I think the tight ends are a big deal a big reason why you're seeing this offense is different because even in the two-point conversion that uh, they missed in overtime, that pass was going to Brenningstool and he was open. Uh, that was gonna, he was going to <laughs> get it. It was going to be his. Yeah, they're, I remember that, yes. Yeah, and so they're going to the tight ends in the red zone, and now as another weapon. You already got Will Shipley, Mr. Touchdown Machine, who, by the way, is number one in the country in rushing touchdowns. You got him doing his thing. Now you throw in the tight ends doing their thing. Clemson is almost unstoppable in the red zone. That's what the tight ends and using these tight ends bring to this offense. And Clemson hadn't had in several years. Let's be honest.
0: Yeah, it, you know what it also does too. It, it puts a lot of stress on the defense. You know, when you got not just one tight end but two tight ends who can who can run down the scene, which is run down the hat, pass marks. It, it makes it difficult. Mm-hmm. It, it opens up the field a whole lot more, and you're going to have a matchup that's going to be favorable for the offensive team. That's what Clemson has in the red zone now. You know, instead of throwing always throwing the back fade or whatever like that, now they can kind of go through the middle sometimes or even the back of the end zone, which a lot of a lot of times, especially if you get a quarterback a lot of time, those guys will break off their routes, go through you know, go to the back of the end zone, and a lot of times you can get passes that way. So because of their height and their ability to catch the ball, It
2: makes it very difficult to defend. Very. does. Yeah. So, you're
0: talking
3: about advantage
1: Clemson. Absolutely. And then one more thing before we get out of here, man. We got to talk about it because it was clutch. We talked about him last week, about having him as a weapon that no other team in college football has, and that's B.T. Potter. 52-yard field goal, a pressure kick. I mean – he that he is th- he nailed it. Could have kicked it from sixty plus yards, nailed that kick in pressure. He's eight for ten in his career and kicks a fifty yards or more, which is amazing to think. And the way that he is kicking the ball right now, it's just a weapon. Clean- I mean, he. he I think uh, I heard uh, Todd Blackledge said that he is he has the strongest leg of any kicker in college football. I mean. I, I told-
2: I totally believe that, but not only the strongest
0: leg, but
1: he's very on point. Mm -hmm. Accurate. He could, I mean, like I said, a lot of times
0: when you think about college kickers, you're afraid if they go in the hash marks. You're like, oh, God, is he going to make this kick? Or some kickers, man, you can put them down the middle, and you're not quite sure. But with Potter, it looks like every time... He puts foot to that ball. <laughs> that ball is screaming. Ow! He, he's keeping it right down the middle,
1: man. It, it was great. That 52-yarder was clutch. And Dabo didn't even hesitate. Dabo didn't even hesitate on his decision because he knows what he has in B.T. Potter. That When a coach shows that kind of confidence to his kicker, it just tells you – it tells that kicker how confident his coach is in him. And that's why he goes out there and does what he does. I mean, and, and, and he looks confident, Will. And that, I
0: remember the great uh, Treadwell telling me, like I was like, man, how do you hit all those uh, clutch kicks? David Treadwell.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And basically, he's like, you know what, Kirk? I just envisioned it going in before I even kick it. I see it going in, and you see the cool that uh, that Potter has. You see the cool that he has, and I mean, it's just when they set it up, they kick it, they put the snap down, and it looks like, man, it's always automatic. I'm not saying he's gonna make all of them, but tell you what, man, he does a good job of just being clutch when they absolutely positively need a field goal. You can see the
3: count on him,
1: absolutely, no doubt. A big win for Clemson. It's crazy to say that, that that Clemson gets a big win beating Wake Forest for the 14th straight year, but that was a huge win. It now puts Clemson in position going into this week's game against NC State where they can gain control of the Atlantic Coast Conference. They got Florida State in a couple weeks. Clemson could have this division clinched, LeVon, by the end of October the 15th. I mean, they they really could have this division clinched by October 15th. That's
3: yeah, man. That's a that's a
1: good thing, bro. That is it. Really is, and so you know, yes, they still got to play Syracuse down. Who's playing well? But you know, I just I'm still not worried about Syracuse in the sense that you are worried about you know Wake Forest, NC State, and Florida State. Who's playing really good in a couple weeks down in Tallahassee? Those those are this is the big stretch for Clemson, and if they can win these next three games, they're in they're in the driver's seat. To go, back to, uh, to go back to Charlotte and play for an ACC championship again. Um, you know, so huge win for the Tigers the other day. The offense showed a lot of grit and savvy by helping their defense out. And the defense, when they needed to most, Tyler Davis, Brian Brzee, even Nate Wiggins made plays that, got, that was just one more play than what Wake Forest had. And that's all you need to win a football game, just one more play. And uh, so kudos to all them, them finding a way to win that game and play the way they did. Big win for the Tigers. Now they get ready for another huge game on Saturday against NC State. We hope they will get to play, obviously. But uh, LeVon, man, I know we had some technical difficulties, but I think we made it work. Um, And I I hope everybody out there enjoyed the podcast.
0: Well, uh, yeah, (laughs) you did a good job of uh, really helping us out and, making sure we got on the air. And I hope everybody enjoyed it, too, because we really enjoy talking Clemson football, football in general. And we thank you guys, and we appreciate it. And I know that's
1: not said enough when we're talking about our fans. Absolutely. We appreciate all of you for listening. Keep downloading um, and and keep coming back to us every week. Me and LeVon will be here. We'll be here later on this week to preview this NC State game and uh, and tell you who's going to win and why. Um, So, for LeVon Kirkland, I'm Will Vandervoort. We'll talk to you next time on Believing Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.